Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Dr. Afruz Demary. For over 15 years, Dr. Demary has been helping patients with their health problems. Practicing as a licensed naturopathic doctor specializing in integrative functional medicine for women, she finds the root cause for hormonal imbalances, thyroid disorders, stress, weight or digestive issues, fatigue, autoimmunity, depression, and anxiety. She also has expertise in treating children, preconception detox, and supporting women throughout pregnancy. As the former director of functional medicine at University of California, Irvine's Department of Medicine, she was the first naturopathic doctor to be employed full-time by university in the United States. She has also founded Trimester Zero, the first evidence-based comprehensive online and in-person preconception program. In this episode, Dr. Demary shares all her best tips for getting your body and your partner's body baby ready, including specific nutrients you should be taking, how stress and hormonal imbalance plays a role, and what misconceptions about improving fertility that you can leave at the door. So if you're thinking about having a baby in the next few years or have been struggling to conceive, take out a pen and paper and get ready to take in all of Dr. Demary's tips and tricks. Welcome, Dr. Demary. I'm so happy to have you on today. I've been patiently waiting this episode. Um, and I'd love to just start off with knowing a little bit more about you and your story and how you became to be this expert in fertility and developing what you call trimester zero. Yes. So happy to be here. I actually had zero interest in fertility when I was in school. I wanted to be a brain surgeon. I was uh, my background was in neuroscience. So my undergrad, I was studying the brain of rats for four years, and I was a naturopathic student. So I was pretty healthy. I was a fitness instructor. I worked out five times a week, no drugs, no alcohol. You know, pretty good family history. And bam, I had a unhealthy child and I spent the first year of my whole, her for her first year, she had seven surgeries. So I lived at Toronto Sick Kids Hospital pretty much every week we had appointments. Um, she was blind in one eye. She had, later on we found out Turner's, which is a chromosomal issue, which is why most women actually miscarry. So I was told that I should have miscarried and I, I didn't. But before her, I had miscarried. And so when I was pregnant with her, I was just so happy to be pregnant. You know, the last thing I thought about at that age was having a healthy child. Of course, we all want a healthy child, but we don't think anything will go wrong until something goes wrong. And I had heard of some friends who had autistic kids and, you know, who had issues, but you just never think it's going to happen to you. Why? Because you just don't. So it's just how life works. But sitting in Sick Kids Hospital, I think after her seventh uh, surgery, when you know we almost lost her because she was underweight, and they would come out, and I could hear the alarms going off, and I pretty much was in tears every day, you know. And I, I, I would talk to God and just be like, "Why me? Like, why did you choose me? I, I, I feel like you chose the wrong person. I don't have the strength that you think I do." It was very hard on my marriage. I became so depressed because I always wanted to have a little girl but not not in this way. And so as I was sitting there, I would look around and I saw so many sick kids. Obviously, I'm at Sick Kids Hospital, so everyone is not doing well there. But I saw a lot of kids with like 
blindness in both eyes. And I saw things that I just never even was educated on in school. What she had, I'd never heard of. It's like one in a million cases. It's called Peter's anomaly. Even the doctors didn't know what it was. There was only four specialists in the world. And they were like, this is really rare for Turner's. This is really rare. And then in practice, I started seeing all these kids with cancers and leukemias and ADHD and severe eczema, severe rheumatoid arthritis and all kinds of issues that I wasn't prepped for in school. And I, as, as the years went on, I became very much focused in pediatrics because I felt like everything starts when you're a kid. If you can just prevent things, then the adults will be healthier. So then I became a specialist in pediatrics and I exclusively saw peds for a few years. And then I realized, wait a second, these kids have had problems because of things that happened very early on in life. And so I just kept going more back and back and back. And that's how the idea you know, came about of trimester zero is we start everything in a woman usually as soon as she becomes pregnant. She starts eating well, taking her prenatal, not doing any anything bad, right? But things are, have already been done in those first five weeks before I even found out I was pregnant everything had pretty much been made in her body her heart her you know organs and the sperm and the egg have already met and the DNA has already started to play out and so I thought why don't we prep like every you know we were buying a house at that time and I remember we did you know a home inspection you go and you look at the foundation you look at the mold you test the air you Look at the quality of that house before you buy it, right? But we don't really do that before we get pregnant. We don't, the guy doesn't go and say, hey, you know, I just got married. I'm thinking of having a child maybe in the next couple of years, doc. What should I do? There's never that conversation. And same with the women. Usually we get tested for HIV, syphilis, like all these severe things. Don't drink more than one glass of alcohol. You can have two cups of coffee a day. Like it's so common sense, but it's not really for optimal health. It's like to prevent no. severe diseases. And so I, I thought like, this is insane. Like there should be the most important time is before you get pregnant to make sure that you're prepped and you're in the best shape possible so that you don't have those regrets that I had at that time, which is why didn't I do anything? Why didn't I check if I had all the right levels? Why didn't I check if you know, I had enough, I had, I had so many fillings in my teeth. I had so much mercury, which, you know, we tested her mercury after year one and it was, it was abnormally high in her blood. So I passed on a lot of my mercury to her and just, just things that I wasn't even aware of. And I was a naturopathic doctor. So that's how it all came about. And I was terrified to have my second, I wanted to have like 10 kids, but after that I was like, I'm done. I, I can't go through this again. But I started slowly doing research and research into sperm health, um, looked into marijuana use, not that I had been using it, but, you know, just like, and I found all this data and I'm like, oh my God, marijuana affects sperm or, you know, uh, alcohol, you know, even a little bit, um, eating too much meat, all these things that, you know, I tested and I changed and I detoxed and I got rid of the mercury. I got, I did it all the right way. And then I had my second and. His IQ, he's just, he's just a different baby. And, of course, I will never know if it's because of that or not. But yeah. that's how this program started. And then I started just specializing in that because it was such a, a – it wasn't my choice. I, I think Naya just chose me to help other kids. And now I'm on a mission to help a million babies 
Um, and I'll never know, but knowing that their parents took time at least three months beforehand to get things tested and not go through miscarriages like I did, not go through unexplained for infertility and all these things now that are so on the rise, that's my mission is, is to help these kids and their kids have a better future. Yeah, no. And, and it's true. I mean, it's, it's becoming more and more common just with infertility or unexplained, um, you know, pregnancy loss. And I love that you have the viewpoint though, of not only it's not just the focus of helping women improve their fertility, right? It's helping women have a healthy baby. And it's so true. I mean, um, so, you know, I, I don't know if I shared with you, Dr. Jamari, but before, but I am actually, I'm 35 weeks pregnant with my first. And we, you know, we were very fortunate. We actually, you know, we weren't, I wouldn't say we were like specifically trying, but we also put ourselves in a position where we knew it could happen. Um, and I feel very fortunate, but I will say like in my first trimester, kind of like that phase where you're making, you know, hoping that you don't lose the baby or I was so scared just from having so many clients who had gone through so many miscarriages. Um, and so I was really focused on, I just want a healthy baby and I just, you know, want to see the pregnancy through, but I also was aware too, that, you know, luckily being a dietitian, my diet was pretty good before and probably when I conceived, but I definitely, you know, and I take, I do take certain supplements and things like that, but, um, I wasn't completely focused on it. And so that runs through your head too, of, you know, what was I eating during that time? Was I, um, we you know, what was I ingesting? Was I, was I drinking alcohol at that time or things like that? So it is such an important time, not only for women to improve that fertility, but I love like what you said, it's just to have that healthy baby, which sometimes when we get pregnant, we're focused on all these other little things, but not focused on just the fact that that's the end goal. Right. Um, so I'm curious yeah. just with what, yeah, no, continue. There's something. I was just going to say the other thing hearing you is what I always hear from women. I mean, I have 44 year olds right now in my group and two of them are pregnant with healthy babies. And it's amazing how most of us think it's a female thing. It's a female phenomenon to have a baby. And I understand that the woman carries the baby for nine months, but I think we really need to start focusing on the men being half of this child and that as soon as something's wrong, it's amazing how women blame themselves. I mean, it's not amazing. It's just ingrained in our DNA. Yep. And no it's in our how, nature. It's in our nature. It's, it's just the motherly, you know, love, I guess, of like, what have I done wrong and wanting to care and nurture. Um, so a lot of what I have to do is just keep reminding the women, you know, that it's not you. And sometimes I have proof, like we have proof that it's male factor and you still see the women clinging on to this belief that they have done something wrong, which, you know, we work out like, where's this false belief coming from? It's usually from our childhood. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. Why can't I do this? Um, but that's half, half the battle is, is the mind. It's our thoughts. It's our beliefs. 
and not having the men on board. You know, usually even after a year of having problems, even after it's shown, I find it's so such a struggle even to, to have men change their diet, stop drinking, give up their marijuana, or you know, stop doing some certain activities or take a bunch of supplements. You know, and the women yeah. are doing everything from like throwing out all their makeup and. and not dyeing their hair and like doing everything they can and so that part I just hope I, before I die that it's shifted and that it's a partnership and that both men and women mom and dad are half half from the beginning because as soon as you start thinking of having a child and knowing that you want to have one one day whether it's 10 years from now to me that you're in trimester zero it started you know and so I always knew I wanted to have a child and so Looking back, I you know you don't want to go. Okay, well I'm young right now, so I can still do all the stuff. It's okay. Like three months before, I'll just take my prenatals. That's not how it works. Taking a prenatal is like the minimum on on the chart, unless you yeah. are really deficient and like just not eating whole foods and just eating a lot of fast food and junk. Then yes, you absolutely need it. But you may not even be absorbing half the things in that prenatal. So I just want to also remind people. They don't think that that's enough, you know, like it's supposed to be a supplement, which means to supplement what you're not getting from your diet. And so the key is diet. It's the microbiome. It's the bugs in your gut. That's what's important. So what I really emphasize in the course is your immune system and your gut flora, because now we can see the kids and their immune systems are so much weaker than 20 years ago when I first started practicing. And the autoimmune diseases are so on the rise in adults, in teenagers, in five-year-olds, 10-year-olds. So I am doing so much work to get the mom's guts and dad's guts to be in the best shape, specifically the mom, so that if she has that vaginal birth and um, is eating diversely, you know, you can't get that from a prenatal. Yeah, she's passing on those good bugs, right? onto her child. And I'm so glad you brought up the male factor because, and, um, correct me, Dr. Demary on this statistic, but isn't it, I mean, it half of half of infertility is due to the male factor, which makes sense, right? It takes two to tango, right? There's two of us. Yeah. Some say 40% some of the data, some says 50%, which is, which is high, but it was a high percentage. Yeah. And I want the men and the women to know that 20, 30 years ago, when you looked at, and I used to look at these sperm analysis, and you would see the normal range for, you know, morphology, for movement, and all of the mobility, that normal range has changed, and it's come down, because we can't have everyone be abnormal, and so things are also shifting in the normal ranges, right? What was considered normal now was abnormal before, and so just also know that a lot of times women will tell me, oh, it's not the guys. Their numbers look great. I was told it's not him. And I'm like, let me just look at those values. And I'm looking and it's at the bottom of the range now, which is totally not optimal, you know. And yes, you only need one good one, you know, or if you want twins too. <laughs> but one good one with a nicely shaped oval head that's going to swim with one tail and Everything looks good and it's going to have to make it through the egg, which is a whole lot of work. It's not just like when they meet, they just, it happens. There's a lot that happens. It's very complex, but you want the DNA in that sperm to be in top shape, right? And so guys get a new batch every approximately 72 days. So it's not a lot of work. Guys actually have it very easy. They just need to do certain things 
to get that good batch. And then I always say they can go into whatever they want after because it's done once you're pregnant. But for the women, it's a little bit more work. You know, we have, we have already what we have been given from the beginning. And, you know, you had your eggs in your grandmother if you're a female. So what she did also affects you. And so that's why I say if you're carrying a girl, you are impacting your grandchild, which, which just blew my mind. I did not know that, you know. so I didn't know I, that either. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if we have a girl, if you are having a girl you are influencing your grandchild. And so that's why I want people to kind of wake up, especially the men, and just realize, you know, it's just three months. Just give me three months. And then yeah. you'll look at your grandkids one day and go, wow, I did everything I, I could have. You know, I, I, it's not a big sacrifice. It's, you know, eating well, lifestyle, quietening the mind, um, nesting. You know, that's something that's very important. A lot of women, they prioritize uh, their work, their jobs, their things that are that to-do list, you know, and then this is kind of on the list, but yeah. I have to kind of remind them, like, if you were, hypothetically speaking, this little soul up there, you know, and just kind of trying to figure out which, which parent you were going to pick, would you pick you if you were that child? And I know this is a kind of really weird question, but sometimes I use mm. this as a wake-up call because women are like, yeah, you know, I have a lot to do right now. And, and I just realized it's not a priority, but your kid has to be your priority because as soon as they arrive, they become your priority, whether you like it or not, you know, sleep goes out the door <laughs> and so many things. This is your responsibility now. So you want to start nesting. You want to, you want to start getting excited about eating together as a family and not necessarily doing things as soon as they arrive. So I have a lot of people who are like, okay, give me a cookbook. I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to make, like, what am I going to do for baby food? You know, because a lot of the women I see are pregnant and now they're prepping. So it's just so much easier if you can become aware of, you know, all the EMFs that are going to be in the room with the baby and just do this as a, a lifestyle change for the whole family ahead of time. You know, all the plastics, what should we throw out? What are we going to buy for toys? Like, what, what water is this baby going to bathe in when it's here? So it can be very, very overwhelming, but if you have the right tools and focus on the positive, you don't want to focus on the problems. I always remind my couples, don't focus on what's not right. And unfortunately, yeah. as doctors, we are trained to do that. We are trained to look at what's high, what's low, what's abnormal, and that doesn't give you any good energy. It doesn't motivate you. It doesn't empower you. You're usually left with, there's something wrong with me. And then the authority is given to the doctor and we have the power to say, I can fix it. And that's just not how wellness works. I have found that there's research that when you focus on what you know helps you, what you know you need, like I love to dance and I need music in my life. Like I'm just, when there's music and dancing and I'm sweating, I don't think about the fact that I'm working out. I'm just having fun and I'm completely in the moment. So instead of going, oh, my God, I haven't worked out today, I've gained a little bit of belly fat, you know, and being that half empty, I can just go, where's the music today? I haven't danced, you know, and, and focus on that. Same thing with food. Same thing with lifestyle or sleep. See, see what you need and add that in. You know, make a not-to-do list is what I often say on a Monday morning instead of your long to-do list. Think of what don't I want to do this week that I know doesn't serve me. You know, maybe saying yes to... The mother-in-law, every time she asked me to go out, I had a patient just, you know, last week. And I'm like, why can't you just say no? And she's like, I can't. As soon as she texts, I have to text back. And, 
you know, and it's like, just don't text her for a whole day. Like what would happen, you know? And so it's boundaries and learning how to take care of ourselves and how to love ourselves first so that then we can teach our little ones, you know, through modeling and not just through words. Sorry, oh, that's totally no, oh my gosh, that's such great advice. It's funny. My husband and I were just talking about yesterday, how one of the biggest things we do want to focus on is just setting good examples because we've known from even just how we both grew up, which we both, you know, had great experiences and very fortunate, but also you just see how impressionable kids are. Um, so I'm so glad, you know, that's such a good piece of advice. And again, it's just, it's focusing on that positive. Um, and I'm curious yeah. going back to, cause I want to talk about what women can do specifically, but I know you said there are just a few things men can do. It's not like, you know, they don't have to overhaul everything, but what are some yeah. of those things that men can do? Because I often find with my clients, it's usually women. And especially yeah. if they're trying to get pregnant or they've had issues with miscarriage or infertility in general, yeah. you know, I can usually get, you know, if their husband's a big drinker or something like that, like, let's just cut, you know, I can cut one thing down, but it's kind of hard to go past yeah. that one thing. So I'm really curious what are like, if you just had, you know, your top few things yeah. that men can do that have the largest impact, what would they be? I love that you mentioned alcohol, but I think the first thing is to see if they're on board. And I will never recommend anything to the men if they are not giving me the mandate and not yeah. asking my opinion. That's huge. And so I also tell the wives, don't be that nagging mom that's now mothering your husband. You know, don't be the one that's saying, hey, honey, the doctor said you should take these. The doctor said, the doctor said, the doctor said, because it doesn't really help. It really actually can separate them. And so you just have to give the information. Hey, did you know that like, you know, smoking marijuana every night actually does this to the sperm? I didn't know that. Like you almost have to be very like a child, you know, like a six-year-old that's just very curious and is learning. And there's no judging. There's no, this is your fault. This is my fault. There is no fault. I always say with, with this at all. It is what it is. And we're just investigating. We're just curious little kids going, why? I wonder why the sperm's not moving or you don't have enough. Could it be the weight? Could it be that, you know, we're eating out a lot? Maybe let's focus on losing some of that belly fat, that visceral fat. That's very important for men. Maybe it's the amount of antioxidants. That's huge, right? So let's measure that. So I do the Dutch test in my women and men, or I'll do a sperm analysis at home. I always say, I want to look at the sperm. It doesn't matter if you've had a problem or not. I look at the women. Why wouldn't I look at the guys? So let's do a sperm test at home. Just easy. Order it online. Do it at home and see. And if the antioxidant levels are low or you know you're just not eating a lot of that dark, rich, purple, you know, foods, then take an antioxidant. Just take a supplement or eat more of those foods. Inflammation is another one. So get your CRP, highly sensitive CRP tested through blood tests. But even if it's normal, that doesn't always mean that there's no inflammation in the body. We usually, if you eat meat, if you have sugar, you know, and if you're eating those things that are packaged and not coming from whole foods, and also how well you digest the bugs in your gut, what they do, because we can create a problem even within ourselves. So it can get complex. But I would say... The first thing to look at that I ask my couples is, do you have symptoms? And men are usually the ones to say no. They're, either they're just not 
conscious, like they don't realize that they have headaches every week or that they're always going like this and they're, they're aching. You know, I always see guys in the visit and I'm like, what's going on with your shoulder? And they're like, oh, like they're just, they just, it's just become normal, you know, and they're not, mm-hmm. um, usually the women over, you know, medicalize themselves and something's wrong. They definitely voice up. Whereas the men do the opposite. They typically don't have the smallest things and run to the doctor. So you just want to do an inventory, like head to toe. I have a free quiz on my website exactly for this reason to just see, hey, do we have any of these symptoms? And again, it's not to say, oh my gosh, you have a thyroid problem. What are we going to do? We have to, you're, there's something wrong. No, it's just to be aware of, I didn't even realize that I get headaches every other day. So many of my men will tell me this, the headaches, um, the tightness here, which is a lot of stress. It's a lot of places that we hold our tension you know, um, blood pressure is high and blood sugar is imbalanced. They're craving sweets after they have lunch or they're like skipping food and not eating because they're in meetings and, you know, or they're eating right after a meeting when they're stressed and they have no stomach acid. So they can't even digest the food and now it putrefies and bad bacteria grows and then they're bloated and then they have alcohol, which just destroys the lining. And now they have food sensitivities and then they get allergies. This is like a typical I can't tell you how many men I have exactly like this, you know, and then they start snoring and then they have, you know, sleep apnea and then their, their blood pressure is high and then they don't have energy the next day and it just gets worse and worse. And now they're addicted to coffee and sugar. And so there's a lot, but you just want to move back and go, wait, what's happening? The body is the tip of the iceberg. It's never alone. It never just decides one day, I'm just going to give this guy headaches or I'm just going to start. I don't know, urinating at night, which is another one, right? Getting up to pee at night. There's a reason it's doing that. So again, get curious, ask yourselves, hey, honey, do you know why you're getting headaches? Like, what are they about? What do you think's going on? What do you think your body's trying to tell you? Or, you know, I've noticed you've you've got these new love handles now, which we didn't have when we first met. What can we do about that? Do you think it's diet? Do you think it's lack of movement? Do you think we're eating too late at night? It's just keep it simple. You know, let mm-hmm. me do all the do all the medicalizing that I do with testing. But if you have no problems, keep it simple. Look at your symptoms and figure out what's causing it. But if you have had miscarriages, if you know that there's a strong, let's say, um, cancer or heart disease or blood pressure issues, or there's definitely something is wrong, then start investigating that early. Don't wait till the second or third miscarriage, unfortunately, not, because that's what is typically done. We wait till the third one. Those are national guidelines to then test for reasons for miscarriage. And that should never be the case. It should be done right from the beginning, in my opinion. So for women, for, I know you asked me about men, but a lot of times this is so key because I have women who've had 10 miscarriages and it's autoimmune or clotting, you know, it's usually one or the other. And there's things you can take beforehand to prevent a clot from forming or prevent your body from attacking the, the baby or the fetus thinking it's something foreign, you know, and that's often not done until it's very late. And some of these things, you know, we're using medications, we're using blood thinners, we're using, you know, just not natural supplements. I will use both because we just want to prevent and we want to have that healthy child. So sometimes, again, it's simple. Sometimes if there's problems, it's a little bit more complex. But as long as you're asking why, that's what I love. I love when people start asking me 
Why do I have those symptoms? Why do I have such dark blood on my first day of my period? Why are they so cloddy? I'm seeing like strings and pieces of, you know, blood coming out. Um, or I'll say, don't wear a tampon on day one and tell me what it looks like, you know. And if it's very cloddy, okay, well, we need to make sure that's not happening when you get pregnant. Or maybe it's not an issue. So paying attention, I think, is key. And so fertility is about being healthy. That's what I say is when your body's healthy and it's doing well, you are fertile. It's just a, a side effect of health. And if things are not flowing and it's not happening and you're not getting pregnant or unfortunately there's loss, um, then something needs to be addressed. And don't focus on the pregnancy and why I'm losing the baby. Focus on me. How can I make myself as healthy as I can be? That takes the pressure off getting pregnant. It takes the pressure off and you're just loving yourself and saying, I want to be healthy for me first. You know, then things hopefully as a side effect will occur because you're both focusing on yourself. So going back to men, antioxidants is huge. Inflammation is huge. Obviously diet, heat, all the things that we typically know, you know, not going in hot tubs and saunas and, and, and heating up the testicles. We don't want to do that. But usually changing things for a few months, you will notice things change on the sperm analysis. You know, sometimes... The sperm is sticky. We have agglutinations. I had a couple um, last year where they tried for three years. All the focus was on her, and they weren't getting pregnant. And he had had a previous, this is very common, where men have previous marriages, and they have had a child. And now it's 10 years later, and it's their second marriage. And so often the women think it's my fault because he already had a baby, and they don't realize that age could be a factor, lifestyle could be a factor. And so I said, just do a sperm analysis, please. And we saw that the sperm was sticky. It wasn't even making it up to the egg, you know. So I had them on high-dose vitamin C and certain supplements. And now they have a six-month-old, you know. And so I, I just see this so often that it's not always complicated. And unfortunately, sometimes the couples are told that there's nothing we can do, IVF. And I can't even tell you how many of my own colleagues, my own friends are just so nervous and scared because they see so many people struggling that as soon as that six month comes along, they're doing IVF. It hasn't even been a full year, which is what I always recommend. It's you have about, about 25% of a chance, even if you're completely healthy to get pregnant every month. So you can't just wait six months and think, oh my God, if it hasn't happened, it's not happening. There's something wrong. You know, no, maybe there isn't anything wrong. But so many are quickly jumping onto the IVF or IUI and getting more aggressive. And I'm not against IVF or IUI. I'm just saying there's often so much that we can do that we're not doing. And, you know, an OBGYN, they're not trained the way I am. And I'm also not trained to do IVF. And so the best would be like if we just combine all of us, you know, and we go, okay, well, that is an option, but let's let's see where how old are you? Like, is that the best option to do now? Or can we have three months, six months, eight months, nine months to a year and try everything naturally and see what can happen? Because I've had so many couples do IVF two rounds, three rounds, which is usually what it takes, and then they just give up, you know, and then they get pregnant naturally. So we know that there there is there's more to it than thinking that that's the only option. And a lot of the time, do you see, you know, it's the stress of trying, 
I've seen a lot of clients where, yeah, finally, unfortunately, you know, three rounds of IVF didn't work and they've had issues with fertility. And then when they finally stop trying and take that stress off, but continue a lot of those habits that we've worked on just food wise and health wise, they get pregnant. It is. And it's that word. I'm so sensitive to that word because I've done a lot of research on stress and we as doctors are to blame, I think, for making stress so bad. And I just want to, maybe I'm the first one not to say it on your podcast, but stress is not bad for you. And it is impossible for someone going through IVF to not be stressed. So if you're stressed, that's fine. Acknowledge it. Become friends with stress. You are going to have stress in this life, whether you like it or not. And Unfortunately, we, we use the words are so powerful. So I always want to remind people, don't get rid of your stress. You can't, right? It's all mindset. But we've done research on vascular disease and heart disease patients. And what they believe stress does to them is actually what stress does to them. So your belief and your perceptions on stress is even more important. So if you're, let's say, kind of stressed and nervous about IVF that day and you're like, you know what? I'm excited that I'm feeling this like restlessness inside because it means like something today's a big deal. Like, you know, I'm going to get an injection or I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm a little nervous, but it's exciting because the baby's coming. And that just means like maybe that energy is that it's how you perceive it. If you can change the language and, and see stress or the sensations that your body's having, I would say focus on the sensation because that's what kids do. When you ask a kid, I had my daughter last year. She was having issues sleeping. She doesn't know the word anxiety, thank God, which is not a word I like. And she couldn't come and tell me like she's anxious because she doesn't know what that means. And I said, how does it feel? And she was like, inside my body, it feels like this. And I thought, wow, how amazing. How wonderful would it be if as adults, we just walked around and describing what we feel. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I was very conscious, like, don't label it. Don't tell her what that <laughs> means to you, right? Because then she's going to judge it as anxiety is bad, you know, or stress is bad or feeling restless at night is bad. And there's a problem. Why? Because I went to give her some lemon balm, you know, to help fix it. Instead, I said, you know what, let's just go breathe and just, just understand that it's okay to feel like this. Sometimes I feel like this too. And that's all she needed to hear is really? So it's not bad because often it's just that is we judge, we judge so much. So yes, you're absolutely right. There is stress, but I would say more than that, understand what the sensation is. Often it's not the first time in your life that you have felt that feeling. So often I'll ask, is this a familiar feeling? Have you felt like this before? Yes. When? Oh, when I like moved countries when I was like 10, I felt the same thing. It's the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to work. It's fear. You know, as Tony Robbins said in the West, stress just is a fancy word for fear. And that's okay. Dance with fear. Become one with fear. Understand your fears and don't judge it. And so I use mindfulness. I use meditation. I use walking, forest bathing, breathing, uh, you know, all the time. And I don't even want to say I'm good at it or bad at it because, again, I'm judging it. But I feel stressed, you know, and it's just something that I have to love about the fact that my body can react like this. And it's like, wow, I have this out-of-body experience sometimes. And I'm like, wow, look at you today. You are just going off, you know. 
You might get loose stools when you're anxious. Why? Because your nervous system is in your gut. So just being curious and loving and being compassionate towards yourself when you are in that state instead of feeling like there's something more wrong now because not only is there a problem, but now you are stressed and stress causes infertility. And the doctors have said the stress is bad for me and there's nothing good that's going to come from that. So often if I find high cortisol when I am checking the women or the men and I know that, okay, the body is stressed, how I verbalize that to them and what the plan is with that is so important. And I've learned this in 15 years of practice. I don't think I did a very good job at this. And I don't think many of us doctors do because we tell them you are stressed, your body's stressed, your cortisol is high and cortisol is going to make you inflamed and it's going to make your blood sugar imbalance and we need to get it down. And they're like, oh God, what do I do? What do I do? You know, and instead I, I try to just go back and go like, how are you feeling? You know, this is happening. What do you think that's about? Okay, get them they already know. We know when we're stressed. It's very yeah. rare that I'm like, you know, you're really stressed and you're, you're telling me you're not. There are those cases where yeah. I've got the warrior women, I say, where they're just like, I'm like, you should be exhausted. You have like <laughs> zero cortisol all day. Like, how are you functioning? And then they're like, oh, they feel relieved when I tell them that because they're validated. Yeah, exactly. They're validated. Exactly. And sometimes we need that, you know, and so I don't know. I feel like some of it is just being someone's mirror and just creating that space to sit with them and be like their best friend who's just not going to judge, who's going to say, hey, let's just see what's going on, you know, and, and just like kids do. They don't judge. But as a doctor, I, I think I've, I used to even judge. I used to judge that, okay, this is high. Okay, you're clotting. And now they left the visit thinking, oh, my God, I have all these problems that I already didn't even know existed. And it's not empowering. Instead, okay, here's what I want us to do. Can we focus on, you know, going shopping and, you know, go buy this book and can we cook these meals together and make it fun and put your favorite music on and maybe even have that glass of red organic wine. If, if that's your thing, sometimes it causes more stress if I ask someone to be gluten-free, dairy-free, mm -hmm. sugar-free, soy-free, corn-free, alcohol-free, everything-free. That... Yep cause so much more stress that I've learned because I used to be that kind of doctor that I was like this is bad for you you can't have it and I realized my grandmother had all that stuff she had <laughs> healthy babies and I see this all the time and you know I worked in Toronto and um you know in Santa Ana here in California where they, they can't afford prenatals they're not eating well you know and so it's sometimes ignorance is bliss too you know I think as a doctor I've learned that there's only so much science can we can rely on. There's also a lot we don't know, you know, and science is looking at certain little tiny particles of the being and not the whole, whole being. And everyone is unique. Everyone is different. And so it's going to be very individualized. That's why with prenatals, I individualize them. You know, I have my trimesters here prenatal, but in some I'll say, you need more folate than what I have, which yeah. is very high folate. And then someone else, I'm like, that's too much vitamin D. You don't need that much D. You need more K. You know, you've got a clotting issue. And so we measure, we test, we look, and we, I make it fun. I'm like, do you know, like, do you like seaweed? You know, could you eat more? And they're like, oh, I, I hate that. Okay, do you like liver? Because that would be great. And they're like, no, absolutely not. Like, so it, it becomes just a conversation, an experience, a journey, you know, which motherhood is. And, 
and it doesn't need to be so devastating. And I think it is at times because I've been there. I was, I was just devastated. And I, I just hope everyone out there, if they're listening to this and watching this, that they just find that hope and that, that connection to themselves, that knowing that there's something beautiful and intelligent in you that knows the right way. Sometimes we're just a little lost. Sometimes we've just been imbalanced a little bit with life, with, you know, demands and pressure that we put on ourselves, with expectations, with beliefs. And these things have led to our behaviors, which has brought us here. And sometimes this is just a little wake-up call. It can be a gift. And now I look at my life and I'm like, I can't believe that pain, that miscarriage, all those surgeries, all the depression, my divorce, all that hardship, which... I would never really want to go back to, but I'm grateful for it because it's made me who I am today. And it's allowed me to now have this mission, which I, this purpose that I never thought I would have. And, you know, I just wish people could have that hope and not lose that hope that there's something wrong and that there's nothing they can do. And to believe any doctor or anyone or any book that says otherwise, I sometimes tell people, don't even believe me, like believe yourself. I want you to connect to yourself so deeply that if you are in the middle of a forest and there was no doctor, nothing around, you would just know there was a knowing within you that we've lost contact with, you know, especially here in the West. You know, it's very different if you go to Vietnam or you go to Thailand. I've been these places. They just the, even the relationship with the doctor, you know, when they're getting the acupuncture, there's not a lot of talking, you know, there's not a lot of sitting there talking for hours about how you feel. Like the body tells them, they take the pulse and with the pulse, they can tell what's happening to this person. You know, my amazing acupuncturist here, she'll take my pulse. She barely wants to know like what's happening. And she'll say, oh, you have pain here today. And I'm like, ow, how'd you know that? And then she's like, okay, have you had, you know, the symptom this week? And I'm like, oh my God, like What? So it's amazing, though, what it shows me is I, I do acupuncture, but I'm just always still blown away that the body is just so intelligent, way more intelligent than us doctors. That's all I'll say. Well, and it's it's our best guide, right? So as much as you can have your support team of doctors, acupuncturists, I mean, I know some women who have gone through infertility, right? And they do. They have like a team of five people. But remembering, too, that like you are your own best guide. And like you said earlier, which is just good for anyone on their health journey is we have to be detectives and be so curious and honestly question most things that are going on in our body, question the why. And then the best part is then when you go to a guide, like, you know, when your patients come to you, as you know, like, I love when people are asking me the why questions because then you get to explain the why and that's really what will instill their behavior change and get them, you know, on that path to long-term change versus just, you know, change for a week here and there. Um, I want to know too, Dr. Mike, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, majority of our listeners too, especially, um, any of the women listening that are, you know, thinking about conceiving or have had fertility issues in the past, are there specific nutrients that you think most women should focus on in that trimester zero? Yes. I, I would say the omegas are huge, which, cause I, I test people and 
almost 99% of the population, whether they're vegan, whether they eat meat. It's really important not to just take DHA. So DHA is what's in a lot of prenatals, or you've probably heard of a prenatal DHA. But you need enough EPA for that DHA to actually work in the body and to get into the cell and do what it does in the, in the phospholipid bilayer. And so I often say make sure you take a high EPA oil or omega-3 before and then take a high DHA because often when you're pregnant and you're prenatal, you're going to keep taking the same thing, right? And so your yeah. same prenatal DHA. So the three months before, or maybe the six months before, taking a high omega-3 with high EPA first, then the DHA is important. And then the second one, as you've all heard of folic acid or folate. Now, there's a huge controversy with the you know gynecologists and OBs and the rest of the world. Some are saying that if you look at research, folic acid is the only thing that's been shown to help neural tube defects, which is absolutely correct. It has. But... Just because we don't have data on the rest yet doesn't mean that, you know, when we thought the world was flat, that doesn't mean it was flat because that's what the science showed at that time. And so it just blows my mind because I was in that category. You know, my daughter is MTHFR, which is, I know sounds like a swear mm-hmm. word if you haven't heard of it, is she just can't process folic acid. And what did I take? I took very high doses of folic acid because that's mm. what was known back then, you know? And yeah know about these things so my ignorance and not knowing is I didn't help her you know I if anything she couldn't process it and um, same with me I have the MTHFR gene so there's just a lot we don't know and it just doesn't make sense why not take the same thing in an active form like it's not going to harm you and so if we're so close-minded that we only look at data you know and I, I think as doctors we are also artists it's the art and science of medicine it's not just science And evidence-based medicine is not just evidence from a double-blind placebo-controlled trial. Evidence is 15 years of me seeing patients and seeing patterns, right? How how is data done? How is research done? It's me seeing, you know, I'm a specialist in thyroid, so I see a lot of patients with Hashimoto's, a lot. I honestly don't know anyone who's seen as many Hashimoto's patients as I have. If I am saying, okay, let's, let's see, because I keep seeing this pattern with my patients, I'm going to go now and get funding to do research on this. That's how research a lot of times is comes up. It's from experience, right? So often I'll have people tell me, well, that there's no, there's no study for that. And I'm like, I, I have thousands of cases that I can show you. And it takes time to publish this data. So, you know, working in the admin at, at the University of California, Irvine, I realized I, I, could, I can't do both. I'm either a clinician and I'd rather see patients, that's the path I've taken, or I'm a researcher. And sometimes I was trying to do both, but it's, it's a lot of work to do research and then I can't see patients, you know. And so I do want to remind people who are listening that if your doctor is just quoting you that you should take folic acid because that's what the data has shown, the same thing will be even better for you because it's natural and anything that comes from a natural form that you can actually break down that your body recognizes is way less harmful than the synthetic form. So folate is another one. The other ones I would say are magnesium and iron. So iron, a lot of women are anemic, very important for baby and magnesium. We, we see a lot of women towards the end of their pregnancy. I can't tell you how many people start getting Charlie horses, cramps, <laughs> 
blood pressure issues. So it's really good to have this early on, really loaded up because coffee depletes magnesium, for example. And so if we're drinking a lot of coffee, you're going to be tight, you know? And so taking magnesium extra at night, it's not detrimental at all. You'll know when you've taken too much, you'll have loose, loose bowels. Yeah. What else? Calcium, you know, um, iodine is a big one for me because it really is important for the thyroid and the IQ of the baby. So Japanese moms um, have a lot of iodine in seaweed and seafood, and they have very high IQ children, and iodine is really low um, in, in our world. You know, where there's iodine salt, but if you leave that salt out, the iodine's a halogen. It's, it's going to be gone. And so we're not getting a lot of sea vegetables and seafood, which... You know, there's also chemicals there, so I'm not going to say go eat a lot of seafood. Yeah. Um, so taking extra iodine, not just what's recommended for the from the FDA to prevent a goiter, because we're not preventing goiters. We want optimal health for our baby. Um, so I usually add extra iodine. Obviously, talk to your doctor and make sure you don't have too much, you know, high thyroid. Um, and then in terms of nutrients, those I would say are huge. If you have problems, both men and females, coenzyme Q10. Um, sometimes I go up to 200, 300, 400 milligrams, depending to help the you know oxygenation of the blood and to help the antioxidant levels. Glutathione might be something that you might want to consider if you're not getting enough antioxidants from food before you get pregnant. And then looking at hormones, you know, looking at, I would say even more important than just nutrients is do you have enough progesterone in that second half of your cycle? So important for miscarriage prevention and fertility. Many women will, you know, this is another thing that's happening right now are saving their eggs, you know, because they're not with a partner and they're not realizing that they don't have good quality eggs. And I have, it's, it's so sad, you know, because they may have had PCOS. And so lots of eggs on the ultrasound, but they weren't very mature eggs. They weren't good quality eggs. So now time comes and they're going to use these eggs and none of them are working. I see this a lot in practice. Um, so making sure that the egg quality is good. And how do you know that? One way to know is to check your progesterone seven days after ovulation. You can do that through blood. You know, if in, you're in the U.S., if it's over 10 or 12, it's a pretty good sign. Or if you're doing the Dutch test, which is a dried urine hormone test you want to make sure progesterone is nice and high that's usually a good sign because that comes from the outside of that egg and if it's a good quality egg you're going to get enough progesterone um and obviously age is a factor but i don't like telling women the statistics unless they want to know I'll, I'll quote statistics but you don't have to be that statistic you know it really depends like i had an unhealthy child at 28 and two of my good friends right now at 42 had their second very healthy baby. So it, it is individualized. Um, so it really depends on how you've lived your life. You know, like you said, you're a dietitian. You were very conscious of food probably, probably since you studied it. And you're just aware. That doesn't mean you can't go out and have a cheesecake and pizza, yeah. you know. But if you've had soda your whole life and you have tons of aspartame and you're just a big Coke drinker, you probably know that's not good for you. You don't need a doctor for that. Just say, you know what, what is the one thing I can do that I know is going to impact my health in a positive way? Removing that is going to be it. So let's just do that. Let's focus on removing the amount of sugar, caffeine, aspartame, 
you know, throw out all the diet cokes and the diet sodas. That's probably even more worse. I'd rather you, I mean, I wouldn't, I'd rather you not have any of it, but you know, taking little steps and focusing on things that are attainable, that you can feel proud of yourself and you're not going to fall back and go, Oh my God, I can't even do that. I'm a failure. Cause that, that monkey mind, that negative person in there that's talking to you is a part of you and just acknowledging her when she comes up and she says something negative about you, whether it's you're not eating well or that you can't work out or, you know, we all have that critic acknowledge her say I understand I know where you're coming from you're here maybe to sabotage because you know we all have that side and and just let her be you know don't yeah don't don't realize that that's not you that's just the thought you're having and you are not your thoughts and I think that's huge because that's what I studied is behavior you know why do we do what we do and most of us doctors we tell patients do this do this do that they would have done it by now if they could have, right? Everyone knows pretty much what to do when it comes to diet and lifestyle. But if they're not doing it, you have to help them. You have to understand them. You have to almost be them to know why they do what they do and do it in a nice way, in a kind way, in a compassionate way with love instead of making them afraid that, hey, if you don't do this, you might have an unhealthy child. I always say nothing good comes out of fear, you know, but it's, yeah. it's good know where my nutritional status like do I even need to take all these things you know sometimes I have the opposite problem because I I attract the I call it the functional medicine um, patients where they've done you know this much tests they come to me and they have SIBO I have MTHFR I have this I have this I have this I have that I have a thousand you know labels and I'm like you don't have anything you're just you let's just I have to like decondition them I have to uncondition all the things that have been put on them and just realize you're just a person okay you've got some bacteria maybe in the wrong place but that happened for a reason you know you have mutations we're all mutants there's nothing wrong with you let's just do the best that we can and stop putting all these labels on yourself and so yeah it's sometimes it's simple I'm like Let's see. Do you have twitches? Do you get muscle cramps? Do you get, you know, Charlie horses at night? Okay, you need calcium, magnesium, or you might need some potassium. Are you tired? You know, when you work out, you might need more electrolytes. Let's add electrolytes to your water. Do you crave sweets after lunch or after dinner? If you eat a heavy meal, do you crave dessert? You're probably not digesting the meal well, so you might need digestive enzymes or add apple cider vinegar before a meal. Or make sure you're breathing before you eat and meditating on your food so you're salivating. And chew it so well that if you were to spit it out, I couldn't tell what you ate. You know, that's where digestion starts. So it's just these little things that I look at my grandmother and I'm just like, you know, she's like, oh my God, what are you doing? You're so telling people not to eat this, not to that. And it's so simple. You know, they ate everything, but in moderation. They also moved a lot. They also had a tribe and a community. She lost her nine-year-old, her first son, and she just is okay. She's okay and accepted loss, accepted that this life has grief and has pain and has support. And, you know, we, we often are very alone in this world. One of the biggest things I think I hear from couples that I see is they may have a lot of friends, they may have a lot of people around them, but they don't feel like they do. They feel alone inside, you know, and sometimes yeah. I tell them, we are, we are alone. We came here alone and we leave alone, you know, and, and let's, let's at least love being with ourselves. 
And that's something I had to learn from a lot of loss. And I think sometimes the miscarriage, you know, or, or, or losing something that brings up grief can actually connect us more to ourself and teach us to learn ourselves more and understand what it is that brings us joy and also take action and say, okay, because I was told all of this is just chance, right? It's a chromosomal issue. There's nothing you can do about it. And then the more research I did, I was like, wait, but why are there chromosomal issues? And why is it on the rise? Like, how can everything just be chance? And it's just, you know, I, everything happened to me. So it's always a joke in the family. Like, oh, if it's one in a million, it'll happen to actors. <laughs> and I realized, no, things happen for a reason. There's reasons why we have chromosomal issues, you know, and there's things we can do about it. So I think what you said earlier is asking the why question and then having an answer is really important to get from professionals and we're out there. But it's also really important to just sit with yourself and ask those questions. You know, sometimes a patient will ask me a question and I just, I just look at them and I smile or I just sit with it because I know why they're asking that question and that's even more important. And they, they almost want to hear something from me, you know, and I'll ask them, why, why are you asking me that question? You know, and I think all that just comes from experience because... Again, telling them maybe what they're looking for is only going to enable them to believe what it is that they believe, you know, which is um, often in this case, sometimes it's about blame. It's, it's to say that I'm doing something wrong. Oh, it's because I have, you know, I was on the pill for 10 years. That's why this is happening, right? Or it's because I'm overweight, right? Or it's because of my age, right? And no, nothing good comes from that. You know, because if you're doing that now, I guarantee you this is not going to be the only time in your life that you have thoughts like this. So I know this conversation is a little differently. I can get geeky and nerd out about the medicine, but I think my experience has taught me that this is way more important, actually, in fertility. Um, because for so many years, I did all the doctory stuff and all the tests and all the, you know, and I would have patients leave. And then two years later, they'd come back with a child, and I'd be like, what did you do? Like, I, I had said, you know, your FSH is so high, you're in menopause, like, it's not going to happen. And they would come back with a baby, and it would just blow my mind. And I'd be like, that's just not possible. How, what did you do? Was it IVF? No, it just happened. And I'm like, how? And so I've just learned so much from my patients, you know, whether someone said they went to see an energy healer, and they found out that they subconsciously were sabotaging themselves. They didn't even want to have a child. They didn't even know. They weren't even aware that there were issues with their partner, let's say, or their partner didn't really want to have a child. And I've just heard so many stories that after a while you start to realize there's so much more to this than, than even doctors know and that even patients know and that now I'm so open-minded. Like I was so like, anti-energy medicine I was like what do you mean you went and got Reiki like what is Reiki like what's Reiki going to do? <laughs> you know and yeah now I, I can't I'm, I'm just that doctor that's like just be open just listen listen you know I think I've gained so much more from listening to people yeah. than reading books and reading articles and thinking I have all the answers and that's that's the real holistic view right and it's it's great for you too cuz like you just said you're learning as well and always i mean oh that's just how medicine should be in my eyes but 
I mean, I, to me, I feel like that's the perfect place to end and reminding people again. Yeah. It's like that connectedness. And I'm so glad you did tap into that holistic view because for so many women, it's like, all right, what supplements should I take? Like they want the whole regimen, but they're not pausing. Um, so I love that. And so we do love Dr. Demary, a little fun thing at the end of each episode, we have a little rapid fire Q and a to get to know, you know, to get to know you more, you may have already answered this first one, but what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Dancing. Yeah. I figured that would be it. (laughs) Um, are you a coffee or tea fan? Tea. I got my tea here. I'm Persian. What's your favorite? I have Earl Grey right now, but I love chamomile. So chamomile for me is very calming and I tend to be a little type A, go, go, go. <laughs> so I do need, I love my chamomile to, to ground me. Love it. Um, what about your favorite home cooked meal? Oh, so many. I would have to be <laughs> something my grandma makes. Um, yeah. A Persian dish called dolme, which is okay. grape leaves. Or we have, I'm sure the Greeks have this too. I think they say it's something like that. Or cabbage. And you put um, a little bit of rice, um, ground beef, and tomatoes, and certain herbs and spices. And you mm. put it And it's just, just, it's just her love, you know? Because when yeah. I make it, it never tastes the same. And it's like exactly the way <laughs> she makes it. Um, and whenever you have like the memory attached to a food or dish, it, it just makes it that much better. Um, well, thank you so much. I would love if you could share with people where they can find you, where could, um, they learn to work with you and you, you know, doing trimester zero, um, and just get more information. Yeah. So my website is drdemary.com, D-R-D-E-M-E-R-I.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm pretty, pretty social on there at drdemary. And then I have a few courses that I run throughout the year. One is the Trimester Zero course. So trimesterzerocourse.com. That's usually run three times a year. And it's closed to 10 couples at a time because I really want to individualize their cases and have one-on-one time with them during the course. Right now with COVID, I found that many, many, many couples, unfortunately, have had a lot more miscarriages and women have had their cycles being way off, you know, um, so I've kept the course open so that I can pretty much run it all year. So I'm very busy with that right now. And I have a holistic hormones course, which is a seven week course run through the sacred sciences. Um, so all the information on my courses are on my website. And then the third course that I have is called clear talks, which is a 21 day liver detox program to help us detox, especially in the springtime and in the fall time. So that's how you can find me. Oh, I love that. So many options too. Um, and definitely follow Dr. Demary on Instagram. She always has such good tips. I always love following you. I think the biggest takeaway from today's episode is to know that you need to adequately prepare your body to have a baby for the best outcomes. If you are in that phase of your life right now, I encourage you to incorporate the tips and nutrients Dr. Demary recommends to get your body and your partners in the best place possible to carry a healthy baby. 
Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.